Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, While I have you here... Please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. Hey, this is Adam from Toronto, and I support Creative Control because Vish is full stop one of the best arts interviewers in Canada, or anywhere in the world, really. He approaches every episode like he's known the artist for years, creating a conversational atmosphere that gets straight to the heart of the work. No one else in podcasting gets it quite right like he does, with a mixture of meticulous research, wise artistic insights, and well-humored personal connections. I proudly support Vish and Creative Control on Patreon. You should, too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. Elizabeth Stokes and Jonathan Pierce are talented songwriters and musicians who originally hail from Auckland, New Zealand. Friends and guitar players since high school, Stokes and Pierce formed The Beths in 2014, which currently also features bassist Benjamin Sinclair and drummer Tristan Deck. The Beths' 2018 effort, Future Me Hates Me, was one of the most impressive and acclaimed debut albums in modern times. They followed that up in 2020 with the equally strong Jump Rope Gazers, earning a loyal fan base for their live shows and smart, heartfelt songs. The best's latest album is Expert in a Dying Field, which was jointly released by Car Park, Rough Trade, and Ivy League Records on September 16th, 2022, and it's easily one of the best rock records I've heard this year. Liz and Jonathan recently joined me for a chat from a hotel room in Australia, 
and we discuss things like uh, Brett McKenzie and the Auckland-Wellington rivalry, growing up in New Zealand, my unbridled exuberance about getting really, really into the Beths and their new record of late, how Liz got started playing music as a busker and her songwriting influences, Jonathan's early guitar heroes, how heavy metal and its fans and players have evolved since the 1980s, how comedy enters the Beth's profound songs and how they collaborate together on them, the Beth's unique use of vocal harmonies, some of the themes and stories found within Expert in a Dying Field, current and future plans for the band, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control where you can get bonus content and episodes early, among other reasons to support the show financially. That's pretty much the main way. Patreon.com slash creative control. Thank you. With additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and friendly staff will very happily help you find what it is you're looking for. Say you want to order the new Beth's album, Expert in a Dying Field. Well, you go over there to blackbird.ca, which I've linked in the podcast description, and you click on that, and then you go there, and you try to order the, re- the record, and I'm sure you can do it. They have the best records. Do it. Go to blackbird.ca and make your record dreams come true. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 722 of Creative Control, featuring the brilliant Elizabeth Stokes and Jonathan Pierce of The Beths, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Liz. How you doing? Hey, Vish. I'm doing uh, okay. How are you? I'm doing okay as well. Wait a minute. How do we upgrade you to well or good? Why are you just doing okay? Well, where are we today? We're in, we're in Adelaide. We're on tour at the moment, and uh, we're just uh, we're having a wee chat in the hotel room, and it's, uh, what is it, 8 a.m., I think? Which And I was up at 6 to do some other things, so I feel oh. like the way to upgrade that is to, if we could shift the clock forward a couple of hours i'd be extremely happy i really appreciate that you woke up for me and you made time uh i will tell you before we get to your bandmate there uh this is not the first call i've had with someone from new zealand uh while they're oh well you're not in i guess you're saying you're not in new zealand is that what you said liz i I, if i heard correctly yeah, we're in Adelaide, Australia, which is one of these um, cool, yeah. weird places that has like a half hour out time zone. Yes, exactly. Right. So you're in Australia. I just wanted to clarify that I heard that correctly. Uh, the previous guest who was just on the show was uh, Brett McKenzie. Are you familiar with him from Flight of the Concords? Oh, yeah. A hero. A hero, yes. So Brett was on, and when I talked to him, uh, it was, let's say it was a Thursday for me, but for him, it was a Friday, and I found that confusing. So as we're speaking right now, it's a Monday where I am on planet Earth. 
you're and it's like the afternoon. It's almost dinner time for you. It's not even the same day, and it's early in the morning. Is that correct? That's right. It's uh, it's well into Tuesday here. <laughs> How is the future doing? Is there anything we need to know? Ooh, it's a uh, blue skies here in the future. It's um, <laughs> it's looking like a a lovely day. I just saw a dog walk past. I think. Things are really looking up. Oh, man. Was it a magical dog? Do we need to know what the dog is doing now? See, I, I feel like you know things I don't. It's just weirding me out. But anyway, all this to say. I don't say, want to spoil everything for you. <laughs> don't, don't spoil anything. I need to live my life and experience things for myself. Liz, it's an honor to get to have you uh, on the show. Uh, also joining us, Jonathan, are you there? Yeah. Hi, Vish. I assume you're right beside Liz. That's what we established, right? So you're also in Adelaide, Australia in the future. Is that correct? That's right. Under the beautiful blue sky. <laughs> Are you suspicious of the dog? Is the dog weirding you out at all? Mm, I'm uh, I'm te- I'm teased by your teaser intro with Brett McKenzie, and I'm on the hook. I'm not thinking too much about the dog. I'm just thinking about I'm just thinking about our chat. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I just wanted to say that this isn't my first call uh, on the other side of the world in recent weeks and months. So all I'm saying is, and you're. You're 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 from the same. You're not from the same place as Brett, uh, right, Jonathan? You're uh, in a different. You're from a different city. Is that correct? Yeah, I think Brett would say he's maybe. Does he say he's from Wellington these days? We we would be from Auckland, um, which we consider the uh, cultural capital of New Zealand, <laughs> which would be a very inflammatory thing to say to a Wellingtonian. <laughs> okay, I didn't mean to start a fist fight between you and any members of Flight of the Concords, but yes. Brett is based in Wellington. Uh, you guys are based in Auckland. So is there a friendly rivalry between the cities, Jonathan? Yeah, I think there is. It's definitely punching down from Auckland, the largest city, to Wellington. So I really shouldn't do it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Wellington um, Wellington can be quite stunning. And uh, sometimes you have to hand it to Wellington. And, you know, when you kind of get... It's a little bit like Australia while we're here, actually. Oh, is it? It's like we love to kind of compare ourselves unfavorably to other people, <laughs> other places, <laughs> other situations. You know, it's one of the funnest games. I appreciate that. Liz, do you concur with Jonathan's assessment of at least the two cities in New Zealand? Uh, the distinctions he's making? Uh, is there a friendly rivalry between the two? There's a friendly rivalry, but I mean, you, you come together. Um, Wellington's had some hard had some hard times, you know, a lot of like venue closures and things like that in, in years gone by, but still has its own um, like music and art scene going, really strong one. But uh, yeah, yeah, we we have our biases towards the places that we uh, grew up. We're small town. <laughs> We're, uh, yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. I want to get into a little bit about uh, how you grew up, where you grew up, how you two met uh, in particular. I just want to preface all of that, though, to say that, uh, and I say this with uh, as much, uh, uh, well, it's candor on the one hand, but uh, I don't know what else the word is. I just want to be careful not to gush too much. I love your band. I love this new album so much. It's really remarkable. I spent time with the lyric sheet yesterday, and I felt like I was transported to some other world. I really love it, and I just wanted to say that. I don't I don't want to make you uncomfortable in Adelaide, Australia, I just want you to know, both of you, I'm a huge fan of this band. Congratulations on this new record. Thank you. Thanks, Vish. Thank was, was that too much from Canada? No, we f- wouldn't be doing this if we didn't crave flattery. <laughs> if, it, if, if you're an incredible writer and you don't crave flattery, then maybe you write novels. I think um, <laughs> musicians need the applause 
every night. Uh, at, 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 um, after every song. After every song, every night, from 9pm to 10.30pm, we need Rooker's applause. Yes, yes. We I, crave, we I, just, I just gave you a verbal standing ovation. Liz, did that make you uncomfortable or is that flattering? Do you need that? <laughs> I think Jonathan's right, but also there's, you know, I feel like <laughs> it's always a little uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, it's a nice uncomfortable here in yeah. Adelaide. I don't. That's what I was trying to get at. I don't mean to make you uncomfortable. I just really love it, so I can't wait to talk about the record. But let's get into it a little bit. Uh, you, you say where you're from there. Uh, Liz, do you recall the first time you encountered uh, Jonathan and what the context was? Um, yeah. Jonathan used to walk around our school uh, carrying a guitar and, like, practicing. <laughs> <laughs> I was not playing the hits. What were you, what were you practicing? I, I, well, actually, like at that time, I was probably just practicing how to play C chord. Yeah, it was practicing the C chord. I guess I didn't know who he was, um, hmm. but but he was the year above, I think. And uh, yeah, and that was my first. That's my first memory of of Jonathan Pierce. And then, yeah. Now, now, just for the people listening, I know a little bit about this because I did some reading and I know a little bit about you guys. But Jonathan, how old uh, guitar slinging dude were you? When Liz might have come upon you there, what what grade are we talking about? How old were you guys? I guess it would have been about fifteen. Does that sound right to you, Liz? Fifteen or sixteen? Probably something like that. Yeah. yeah. I think okay. I, probably, I started playing guitar maybe in, when I was in when I was fourteen or fifteen, and then hmm. yeah, I would have hopefully learned one or two chords before I started bringing it with me to school. So that's <laughs> uh in in North America that would put you in around grade ten. Do you guys have? numerical grades in the future yeah we call them years years uh like oh okay yeah so like, i guess that would have been year 11 for us or year 10 yes that's yeah. i think year 10 it, it's the same as a grade you just choose why can't we all get together and use the same words we all say grades grade nine grade eight well, we don't even we don't even live in the same day of the week though Vish. that's true you're in the future we should be following your lead you're absolutely correct jonathan i appreciate that <laughs> Now, Liz, you uh, you uh, hear, tell, or see, observe Jonathan walking around with a guitar. Are you playing guitar at this point? Is that why it piques your interest in any way? Yeah, I guess so. I'm I'm at this point also learning the guitar with uh, with a friend of mine, Chelsea, who we start busking, you know, at the local mall and earning just enough to buy a, a fish burger from Long John Silver's, um, and that was like. And then she was like, "Oh, we're a band now." I made us a MySpace page. So, like, um, it was it was around then that I guess we started. I started my first band, um, and Chelsea and Jonathan were actually already friends by that point, since probably yeah, what you would call middle school. Okay, so this um, what we call intermediate school arbitrarily. <laughs> intermediate school—that's like what we would call junior high, probably. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I think it's a little younger. I think you're there from about. 11 till 13. Yeah, like junior high in North America is like grade 7, grade 8. Sorry, let me let me use words you guys understand. Year 7 and year 8, I think, is generally junior high, and then you go to high school for like grade 9 onward. So I think... You know what confounds this problem so much, Fish, is that when you put your uh, your, your best and brightest actors in, in your movies... <laughs> And say they're from, you know, say they're from junior high. It seems like 
you tend to cast people five to ten years too old for the role. Yes. <laughs> so we sit in New Zealand and we have no idea. What, how old are these people supposed to be? Ah, normal, normal romantic relationship for a such and such a year old. Yeah, this is a valid point you're making, uh, Jonathan, but I, I should remind you, as I did before we started this call, I am not a casting director. These are not my decisions. <laughs> I had nothing to do with those decisions. I know you're, you're angling, but I have nothing for you. No, you're absolutely right. It's very mm. confusing. All this to say, it sounds to me what you mean by intermediary, intermediary school. Is that what you said? Intermediary something? Intermediate school. Intermediate. Yeah. Intermediate. It might be junior high for us. Anyway, so you're young. This is a lovely story then. All told, you've, you two in particular have known each other since you were like teenagers, if not a little earlier. Is that about right, Liz? Yeah. Yeah, we we weren't close or anything, but we were at the same school. We were playing in our respective high school bands. Um, I think we probably played our first public gig together. A member of my band was dating a member of Liz's band as well oh, in yeah. high school. So okay. we were we were definitely moving in the same circles and, and uh, you know, went to each other's birthday parties. Right, so you became socially. It's not just like oh, someone else has got a guitar. You're you're in the same social circles, so you're meeting and and hanging out. You become friends. Were you friends before you started playing music together, Jonathan? I think that I that I kind of can't separate the two. Is the honest yeah. answer to that? That okay. that they just happened at the same time. Yeah, and I actually think we probably played music together before we were friends. I, th- I think it took Liz and I quite a while to like make an effort to become friends with each other yeah. in a big way. It took an effort, you say? Like it wasn't easy. Yeah, I think we're both, uh, I don't know, kind of shy people. And so uh, it was a slow, you know, like we weren't, I wouldn't call us like close friends or anything. We were just like musician acquaintances and playing in projects together and things. I see. Right up until we were, right up until we started the band, basically, and so we started uh, the bits. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Now I just want to go back to Liz, uh, the busking. That is an interesting leap to make. From I can kind of play this instrument to I feel like I'm good enough, and my friend Chelsea feels like we're good enough to play in public and busk. Do you remember what compelled you two to think that at the time? Whether it was uh, ambition, uh, you know, teenage ambition and naivete, or was it like, hey, we're actually onto something, we're pretty good? Do you remember what it was? Chelsea definitely had ambition, which I needed because I had just thriving imposter syndrome, mm. where I was like, no, we're not, we're not a band, I'm not really a musician. And then uh, she was like, nope, we are, and we're going, we're going to Botany Town Center. Um, but we, yeah, because I, w- I would, I would just go over after school, and we would learn. I would have learnt a bunch of guitar tabs for um for songs and she would kind of make me mix cds of music to to listen to and to you know learn the songs and we would yeah she would sing lead and i would uh like sing harmony and it just kind of started really simple like that yeah that's interesting i want to get into the tablature and some of those uh, early influences in a second but you said something that struck me Again, here in North America, we have things we call shopping malls. Did you just refer to something as the Botany Town Center? Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. That's the name of our local mall. It's where I had my first. Uh, the job. mall is named after a school of study about plants. Is that what? That's what botany is, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, right. Uh, the the suburb is named after a a school. <laughs> 
of Plaza. Oh, it's it called in, Botany. The yeah. the suburb was called is called Botany. botany. Just yes. like yeah. So you could be like, are you from botany or are you from paleontology? And people would be like, yes, this is a normal way of living our lives. Is that what you're telling me? The truth is I was born in Botany Women's Hospital, (laughs) which is just a scientific bus crash. Okay. This one's going to grow up tall. I bet they say that all the time, like a plant. Anyway, I'm sorry to home in. I just I heard you say that like Botany Town Center is very specific. But now I understand. It was the name of the suburb. Okay. That's sorry for all my tangents. I just, I'm just trying to understand your culture. You're from the future. It's confusing to me. I want to ask you about that tablature and some of the songs you were singing, presumably as a teen, as a busker. What, who were some of your influences at the time? At the time, I was learning, we learned a lot of Jenny Lewis songs. Mm-hmm. I was big into that Rabbit Fur Coat record that came out. Mm-hmm. And from there, like, stretching back, learning some Rilo Kylie songs, I learned some Death Cab for Cutie songs, some Bright Eye songs, and then, I don't know, there's, like, random ones like Gregory and the Hawk. There was, like, Chelsea was, like, discovering music on MySpace when that was, like, a thing very briefly. I don't know if you can remember, but it was, like... Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not from a... I, I, in North America, we had MySpace as well. I do remember that. Yes, I do. Yes, yes. Yeah, I really liked the format of it where it was, like, it was quite easy to, like... A band would have a page, and on the page there would be like, you could upload maybe like two or three songs. Um, yeah, it was great. Was I had on one. We, yeah, my band had one, and that's yeah. how we met a bunch of people. Like that was the one of the first like music social networking things, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I really, I really liked the format of it. You know, I think it was quite easy to interconnect with people, and uh, there was no like feed or anything. You would just like, you just had your page, <laughs> and you could go on other people's pages. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to remember other songs that we learned. Just no, I don't mean to put you on the spot. I just want yeah. what I will say from what you said in a kind of general reductive way. It sounds like indie rock of the time was speaking to you. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, indie rock and some I guess like indie folk, which at the time was like skewing very Americana. I guess. Yes, fair enough. Okay, all right. Well, that gives me some sort of window into you. You also, with between Bright Eyes, Death Cab, Jenny Lewis, like there's some very, uh, what we would call, and I don't know exactly what this means, but it's a music term, or music critic term, a lot of literate, wordy songwriting appeal to you. Is that a fair way of characterizing it? Yeah, it really did. I didn't click with, I didn't click that at the time, but I think it was, it was kind of like much later when I, because I ended up um, studying music on a on a mouth instrument, the trumpet, which is uh, precludes any singing at the same time, or like, yeah. but um, I kind of figured after that that like the music that really moved me was usually lyrical, and like I would, you know, a friend asked me like, "Are you ever moved to tears by instrumental music?" And I, I kind of like thought about it and was like, "Not really. Like it's extremely rare, but I'm I'm quite often moved to tears by <laughs> by like lyrics and songs and and." the combination of, you know, words and melody. Um, and so it's something that I hadn't really put my finger on before that point. Yeah. You, but yeah, clearly it was important to me. Yeah. You have a song on here called Your Side and uh, on the new record, I mean. Uh, and I am not an emotional person. I'm very cold and repress all my feelings <laughs> But this one, every time I hear it and it gets yeah, to the chorus, yeah. it, literally, I'm almost in tears. And the, and the chorus, ironically, is don't cry. 
So it, it feels <laughs> custom built for me. Don't cry. I'm on the, on the next flight to be by your side. And these lines here, uh, where are they here? I want to see you knocking at the door. I want to leave you out there waiting in the downpour, singing that you're sorry, dripping on the hall floor. Sorry. I just want to say this gets to me. I don't know where, what relationship it's making me think of. I'm a happily married person with children and all that sort of stuff. But man, that is a, you paint such vivid scenes there. And I didn't plan to jump ahead into this right away, but I was just thinking about your writing and it's really getting to me. Sorry, Liz, it seems to me that you're, uh, you like the songwriting, but you like telling stories. So you paint very vivid photos, photos, pictures (laughs) with your, with your (laughs) songwriting. That seems purposeful. Would you agree? Yeah, it's, it's, lyrics are super important to me and I spend a lot of time on them and I feel like, you know, when they, when they work, they, when, when they're working, they, you know, they make me feel (laughs) emotional, which is disgusting, isn't it? Just like (laughs) being, being moved by your own art. (laughs) No, but Gross. but moved is an interesting term. I will say I'm moved to an emotional feeling, but then I stumble upon, but here I go again, mixing drinks and messages. That is also from the song Your Side, and I, I can't tell you how funny I found that. Or this one from Expert in a Dying Field. Can we erase our history? It is as easy as this. Plausible deniability. I swear I've never heard of it. That's fucking funny. That's like one of the... Fu- Sorry, I didn't mean to curse. I don't know if you have cursing in Australia or New Zealand. I didn't mean it. Oh, wait. It says right here at the end of that. The next line is, I swear I've never heard of it. So you do swear. Oh, maybe that's not what you meant. Anyway, I swear I've never heard of it and I can close the door on us, but the room still exists and I know you're in it. Holy shit. Sorry, I love lyrics and these are just some of the best. And again, I don't mean to make you uncomfortable, but you seem to be a really vivid storyteller and I appreciate that. It's... it's you might, do you have like literary or cinematic influences beyond the, some of the indie rock we've been talking about? Probably, but it, I feel like stuff like words, I feel like uh, you quite often magpie them and maybe you can't even remember where you kind of found them, but they're, you know, you, you kind of grab little bits and then you, you make them all into, into, a, into a nest and you're like, I stole every part of this, but just like a little bit from, from a bunch of different places. Comedy? Um, do you have comedy but, influences? Yeah, I really, I, I really like comedy, but uh, yeah, it's. Um, I think there's a lot of humor in, <laughs> in, in, in despair and in feelings. I don't know. It's they're also silly, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and what was I trying to say? I forgot. I forgot. It's okay. <laughs> five comedy, five comedians. Uh, I asked about comedy. comedy. Well, just know, comedy I, or comedy writing. I don't. I know it's hard to uh, tell everyone you like a comedian these days because two weeks later, uh oh. That comedian suddenly sucks, yeah. and everyone's like, "That comedian we all liked, it's we think story. they suck now because they said a thing or they did a thing, which is even worse." But anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to make things dark. I just wonder if you have, because I don't have a, fi- I, I'm a f- big fan of comedy, and I read a lot of comedy, and I have watched a lot, and I hear a comedian's observational songwriting thing happening in your work. Does that make sense to you? Oh, that's hugely flattering. I'd, <laughs> I'd love to be considered funny. That would be. Are you kidding me? Plausible good. deniability? I swear I've never heard of it. That's the funniest. That's incredible. Sorry. I've been texting this to friends like, can you believe this lyric? This, I, the whole, I, the whole verse. I just like it so much. Anyway, I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I don't mean to gush. 
I've just been very excited. When I spent time with the lyric sheet, I got even more excited. Like, I like the record, but I, and I like the other records, but I just, I don't know. You know, when you do an exercise like this one for me, I, when I'm talking to someone, I delve deeper, and it's like, holy Lord, I didn't even see that. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, I feel yeah. like I've made you uncomfortable with all my flattery, so I'm going to leave you alone for just a few moments, because we've left John, <laughs> Jonathan alone. Jonathan, first of all, uh, what do you make of what I'm saying? Uh, do you uh, do you believe that Liz is a very funny and brilliant uh, lyricist? I do. I I do uh, strongly believe in this. And uh, I feel like I heard this in Liz's writing from the very first song she wrote from when she was in her, you know, uh, high school self-proclaimed band. They played a couple of songs. They were mostly written by her friend Chelsea, who's also a great writer mm-hmm. and very funny. And I think the mutual uh, inspiration there is like not something that you can... Uh, uh, overstate but I think um, they would play one or two songs that were written by Liz and uh, I always kind of stored that in the back of my head like wow those were really good songs they had they had proper wordplay they had ma- amazing melodic freedom yeah. uh, within within the chords that were being played and they were like simple and direct as well um, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm a big uh, I'm a big fan. Now, uh, before I ask you about your own trajectory a little bit more in terms of that uh, guitar playing you were doing in high school and where you're at now, because your guitar playing is also, again, I didn't want this to be a huge kiss ass fest, but your guitar playing is also incredible. As a fan of guitar music, I just noticed when you let it rip, it's bonkers, and I want to ask you a bit about that in a moment. But just as a fact thing. Uh, Elizabeth and Jonathan, or Jonathan, let's go to you on this. You Have you and Elizabeth been the original members this whole time? Benjamin and Tristan, who we've neglected, they're not here with us. Um, but have you and Elizabeth, have you and Liz known each other the, the longest here and worked together the longest, Jonathan? I guess so. Ben was definitely playing in bands at the same time that we were when we were in high school. And we all kind of like found each other at the same time playing some all ages gigs or, um, you know, like Liz said, I think the two of us did play our first gig together, but it would have been like our third gig that we played with Ben's band. He was at a different school. Hmm. And, uh, so, you know, uh, but, but, but then yeah, we, we definitely uh, knew each other for a long time, went to university together, um, and studied music and stuff. And then all through for, for years, we've just sort of played music together, you know? And so in terms of original members, like when Liz came to write songs, Ben's the one who helped me record those first few demos. That's right. Ben helped record the demos and then it was time to make a band and it was just like the default thing. Oh, we'll play these songs together because we kind of played all the music we played with this group of people. Right. To some extent. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that I'm wondering about because on previous records, I feel like some of the, what you would call them background vocals, but I feel like there was more call and response in some of the uh, other work uh, if that makes sense so basically Liz would sing and then there would be a chorus of dudes <laughs> uh, you know like joining and, and sort of call and response more whereas on this particular record I feel like it's a little bit more of a background role like you're there and you're singing um, but you don't the, that that dude chorus I referred to isn't necessarily front and center at any point to my memory um, Forgive me if I'm misspeaking and correct me if I'm misspeaking. The other thing I want to say, though, real quick is I've noticed here all songs written by Elizabeth Stokes, except Change in the Weather, co-written by Jonathan Pierce. 
what I wanted to get to with all of these things is, Jonathan, do you and Liz, because you've known each other so long and you work well together, do you confer with Liz, or does Liz confer with you rather about lyrics? Does she ask you for help or advice or just play things off, like just to get a sense of them? Does that ever happen? Um, almost never. Like Liz definitely plays songs to me, but Liz, like one only once she is like pretty comfortable with a lot of the song. Like I, I uh, yeah, there's there's definitely no like mid-period Beatles situation where uh, one person's feeding the other person the next line or anything like that. It's like, I'll hear something when it's got a verse and a chorus and maybe a second verse and a second chorus and a general direction of travel from that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I have almost no input into the lyrics as well. Like, that's, um, that's, that's pretty rare. I get a credit for changing the weather because I kind of rewrote the chorus but when I say I rewrote the chorus I rewrote the chords and melody of the chorus and and I had a very vague direction of travel for the lyric and then Liz Liz kind of took that away privately <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and 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 t- and took it from that point to a finished chorus and that was the end of my my input you know so into the songwriting of it. I will say it's a it's a wonderful for those who haven't heard it yet it's a wonderful chorus the winter knocked me out frozen in an avalanche of doubt it seemed like every road was buried under snow so I thought better to forget the heat of the sunlight on my skin I didn't plan to read all this by the way better to forget the heat of the sunlight on my skin I feel it coming but I'm scared to let it in this change in the weather again very evocative I picture every lyric every, every chorus every verse more than I do with some uh, artist uh, Liz, does Jonathan's account check out? Is he selling himself short in terms of what he was able to do and helping you with that particular song? No, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, well, yeah, he, he brought that song back from the dead, you know. Like, there, I was there hoping are, you were going to say no. There are songs, there are songs that, like, you know, I, I try to write, you know, too many songs, and then you know, some of them, uh, like that song, was like kind of scrapped because the chorus was boring, and he made it into an interesting chorus that yeah. um that I was you know they were able to kind of write to but he's selling himself short in, in terms of that yeah he doesn't write the songs but he's uh from the very start of the band being basically the in the producer role and he's in that role whether we're recording or not and it's always just like a, a trusted voice in in the room <laughs> i i was uh, hoping you would say something like that because the stereotype about people from new zealand is the same as the one from canada we're very polite that's the that's the stereotype. Mm. We try to be polite. We're modest, and that was a great polite, modest answer, Liz. Yeah, of course, of course. Jonathan helped <laughs> me. He's great. Yeah, no, that was very good, sweet. I appreciate that. Now, I didn't want to forego <laughs> this. Uh, sorry, maybe I'm maybe I'm actually countering the the stereotype of the polite Canadian. I'm sorry. Am I too much? I feel I'm a little hyper today. I apologize. Are you okay? Everything all right? Am I doing Bring okay? It on. Okay, just making sure. I know it's really there. I'm trying to be peppy. I'm like a morning cup of coffee. For you guys or something, maybe. Anyway, <laughs> Jonathan, your guitar playing is just fantastic. Uh, it's explosive when it needs to. I think you're doing most of the lead guitar work, right? Yeah. yeah. Is that right? It's fantastic. That's right. Yeah, it's really fantastic. There's like the, I will point people to songs like uh, Silence is Golden, where you go bonkers. Just nuts. It's great. Who are your guitar uh, influences? Uh, because I find it very uh, unique. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um... 
I guess like when I was learning guitar, I was really into the White Stripes and Jack White and the, and the the whole like um, garage turned pop kind of phenomenon that was happening around that time, and like definitely kind of blues based music and stuff. But then like yeah, made into kind of radio rock and roll or something. And I I um. I often kind of say, like, oh, I wish I went through a heavy metal phase to, like, develop a bit of technique. And I've kind of been catching up on guitar for so many years, and I think part of it is because I never just woodshedded some real slaying heavy metal solos when I was <laughs> 15 years old. But I literally did the opposite of a heavy metal phase. I, I, I followed artists that said you don't need to be good at guitar and actually being good at guitar is kind of boring and uh, I don't think that's a good message now uh, I wouldn't endorse that I love trying to be good at guitar I try really hard yeah but what I did do was learn the importance of uh, like practicing at a loud enough volume that you can make exciting things happen with the guitar yeah. And yeah, and, and I was also a piano player and I was just kind of really keenly aware that when you hit a piano, a note on the piano, you, you know, you, you hit it and the note is there and it's there at its best. And then it immediately just dies away and just kind of becomes a sad version of itself. There's nothing else you can do with that note. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you have to play all these tricks on people on when you play piano in order to try and make like a lyrical melody uh but guitar it was so different and that was always so exciting to me so i was always really aware like oh great i get to practice string bends and vibrato and if i use a loud amp then i can make sustain i can use effects and things like that and so you know that that these things were like i was never going to have a heavy metal phase because i was always way too interested in these sorts of other things that were very non-technical well, I, I will I will say from my perspective as a as a young musician or when I was a young musician, I think uh, what happened with we were uh, when I was talking to Liz earlier, I was invoking indie rock, and one of the things that I think happened in the particularly for me a formative time was in the '90s with indie rock was it kind of blew the gates open and blew the gatekeepers away. And when I say gatekeepers, I mean those metal guys. When you would go to the music stores, I don't know if you had this experience, but you would uh, there'd often be someone just fucking shredding, and or you'd see metal music, and people were often doing these really wanky, intricate guitar solos, and you it felt inaccessible, I think, for me. And as soon as you know this underground rock explosion happened, one of the messages I took from it was anyone can do this, you can do this, you don't have to be a metalhead and know every technical thing. Like Liz, when you were thinking, when I asked you about the busking and your compulsion, it felt, I'm sure part of it for you and Chelsea was this feels accessible. We can do this. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, it's a very low pressure situation to practice. Um, I guess performing, it's hard to call it performing when um, it's just people walking past, but um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's, I, I feel, I feel bad. Being, being too mean to, to, to metalheads because I feel like probably the culture has changed a lot. Oh, no, no, no. I, um, I'm not, and I'm and, not even saying now. I think I'm, what I'm saying is that gatekeeping yeah. explosion that I described in some clumsy detail, I think it, 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 it turned the metalheads into like, hey, yeah, what are we doing? 
Like people from Guns N' Roses were like, yeah, wait a minute, what are we doing? Metallica, like there's a, you're right, there's a way to do this without being jerks and just being showy all the time. Like Jonathan, does that resonate with you? I don't think that's what I think. I feel like it's. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you. I'm gonna say that I think like I don't think that's what it was about metal that wasn't inviting to me. I think it was literally just how technical hmm. the music was. Right. It felt like such a hill to climb to get to like play that fast and like I just didn't have a way to get there. And I, like I, I'm from a family that loves music, but I don't ha- I d- didn't have any really good musicians around me growing up you know and like to the extent actually i've never really thought about this before but in being a very mediocre learning piano student for years i would have been the best musician i knew you know and i would have had a piano teacher like a not a not a professional musician uh, um uh, not a professional performing musician a, a fine teacher but uh um not the kind of role model that you could say like, oh, how do I get from really junior study to being able to play really killing guitar solos? I just had no way of knowing yeah. how to get there. So, uh, so there was other music being made that were, that made sense to someone who had no comprehension of how to uh, improve their technical facility to that that point. And I gravitated towards that. I don't think it was the personality of the genre or okay, anything yeah. like that that did it. I think it was intrinsic to the music. I appreciate that clarification. I know I might have come across as someone who might have gotten beaten up in a locker room by a bunch of metalheads. <laughs> and I love a good provocation. Yeah, that, I, was, I love to throw them out, and people can disagree with me on that. Too. I mean, I, I imagine. I think that you're right. There is, there is, there would have been a, a, a you know, a sect of rock music that for a long time is was exclusive. Like, um, which yes. You know, and would have excluded, yeah, people who maybe weren't good at guitar would have excluded women, would have excluded sure. uh, people of color. So it's, yeah, I definitely that's, don't want to um, diminish that. That's where I was coming from a little bit. I just tied it to the technical thing because to your point, Jonathan, in my uh, late 30s and 40s, I've been playing more guitar than I've ever played in my life. And it, it, suddenly I'm like, oh, you just have to play every day? And practice, that's what those guys were really saying. And I was like, screw you. I don't want to do the work that you guys... Like, I think I'm, I will also partially retract what I'm saying. All I was getting at is when people make something seem impossible for other people to do it, I get a little suspicious. Like, you don't want me to do this because you, yeah. you have some insecurity about your abilities. And that's why you're going all bonkers and showing off. Uh, like, there's a little bit of insecurity and bravado, if that makes any sense. And... The metalheads I grew up with were a little snobby, like pff, fucking Nirvana. That's bullshit. You know, Metallica is good. And you'd be like, well, I don't think they're that far off. No. <laughs> so then you get in those little debates and you're like, the breeders suck. And I'm like, why do the breeders suck? I like the breeders. Anyway, sorry. Uh, all I, this is my own context. Sorry to cloud you and your day with what's going on in my brain. I just wanted to ask you about okay, it. You- you let it out. We're, we're here. Okay, good. I appreciate that. Now, uh, so Jonathan, you you started playing uh, loud. Uh, it seems to me as well, right? You 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 went for the loud stuff eventually, even if it came from a place of like learning. You feel like like something about the loudness gravitated towards both of you. It seems like is that fair? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that was always really exciting. Yeah, playing loud, and usually trying to 
make noises that you make interesting noises happen yeah from the instrument yeah one of the things that makes the beth stick out for me is you've got that volume and you know i think catchy it's infectious tempo like it's 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 uh, what's what's the word upbeat a lot of it and it's but it's a lot of volume but there's a lot of focus on the vocal harmonies, which is unusual in a sense. Like there's a lot of we've talked about. I've buttered you up and gushed about the lyrics, and now I've talked a little bit about the guitar. And not to discount anything else, the rhythm section is fantastic as well. I just really love this band, but the vocal harmony focus is a little unusual. Liz, where does that kind of come from? Uh, the harmony singing and and incorporating all these different voices on virtually every song. I think it, it comes from a few different places. One of them is that that first band that I was in was just like, it ended up being three people. We added a friend of ours who was a bass player. And it would be, yeah, so the like all the instruments we had were an acoustic guitar, like an upright bass, and three people who could sing. So we, you know, that was part of like making the arrangements interesting was like incorporating backing vocals into the arrangements because it was like, you know, the only other instrument we could kind of work with. And then, yeah, with the Beths, it wasn't like a given from the start, but I think it, it was something that we all wanted to do, and it was in it's a presence in like songs that we love, you know, something like "Just What I Needed" by the Cars or something like that. That um, that call response line, or I guess we would have been listening to a lot of music like uh, Ray Charles at the time, where you know you have like oh yeah the singer and then like the vocal section, and and I think that really appealed, and then. I don't know. I've also like, I'm a big Ben Folds 5 fan. And I feel like that's also something that they do really well is, you know, yeah, it's a trio, but they, um, then the vocals kind of play an important role in the arrangements. Cause yeah, we would, we were also just a guitar band. We were going to be guitar, guitar, bass, drums. And if you can have this extra arrangement device, <laughs> um, where you can do like a sustained chord underneath something or like accent a particular section with like a diff or with a counter melody while the guitars are just playing eighth notes or something. It, it, it just was really fun. And also it was really hard, which is something that we apparently really like <laughs> going from, um, cause you know, none of us were singers when we like, you know, when we started the band, like proper singers, none of us are still proper singers. We're still just like people who, in the same way that we're, that you just like people who want to play guitar and will never be that good. Like, you know, will never be like virtuosic. I feel like we're all just like people who want to sing. None of us are, um, virtuosic we've all improved a lot <laughs> and we practice but um yeah do you 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 cited a couple you cited ray charles for some reason when you were talking about that i immediately do you know the ray charles song lonely avenue oh yeah that that mm -hmm. that might lonely avenue. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. it's like the backup singer is like, mm -hmm. like they're, they're, mm -hmm. it's just the whole thing is an ensemble vocal performance but it's ray leading it and they come in with I try and I try and I. sorry that's like my favorite Ray Charles song I just love it and I yeah, I really song. love it and I, I it's sorry Liz when you said it that's the first thing I thought of because that's an arrangement miracle to me and the way they captured that recording so okay. I just wanted to bring that up but um, were there any other like we were talking about the realm of indie rock and I'm thinking of some of the things you named earlier Liz are there is there anything in sort of this realm and by the way. If you don't feel like you're in the indie rock realm now, let me know, and I will apologize profusely. I'll write you guys a letter. It'll be signed with my name saying, <laughs> I'm sorry. But in this realm that you're in, the milieu, uh, are there bands that inspired you guys? Because I'm, I'm just looking at the Beth's credit sheet here. Elizabeth, guitar and vocals. Jonathan, guitar, vocal, keys. Benjamin, bass, vocal. Tristan, drums, vocal. Four vocals. So live, I, I assume this is happening too. Is that right? 
that everyone's mm-hmm. singing. Yeah, yep. there's a lot of vocal mics on yeah, stage. Yeah, a lot of vocal mics on stage. Mm-hmm. So, do you? Is there like more contemporary influences on that particular aspect of the best, Liz? On that particular aspect, uh, not as much. No, I feel like it's it's yeah, like the I don't maybe there the were, but I feel like the more contemporary ones we had were. Like when we started the band, probably people like Courtney Barnett, who like for different reasons, yeah, rather than like the vocal harmonies thing. I feel like the most recent one was probably yeah, the Ben Folds Five. Ben Folds um, Five. Here's why I asked this. I asked this relatively purposeful question because I thought we could get to some Canadian content. I'd heard tell that you guys like the band always. Is that wrong? Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's they're. Uh, I'm a huge always fan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they were. As we're speaking, I'm, I just got sent the download for the new Always record because I'm going to talk to them too. And I, I've talked to them over the years. But I I, heard, I was like, this is weird because I only came upon this knowledge that the Beths might have liked Always recently. Jonathan, are you an Always fan? Do you know this band? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Did I just did, did I just blow your mind by suggesting I might be talking to Always? You guys have just gone very quiet. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, wait, we're, we're, we're waiting for every morsel of um, information that you're about to share with us. But really, yeah, always are an important band. I think it was like number, uh, yeah, I can't remember which number band practice it was. It was, you know, the third or fourth band practice, and Liz would have brought in an always song. And like in typical Liz fashion, we would have had the entire band practice. And at the very end, she would have very gently, quietly put it on through the PA and just very quietly said, this is required listening, guys. And then, <laughs> I don't know that anyone that. heard that except me, but that is what she said. <laughs> so, Liz, you, you, this is your way? Yeah, you just sort of do little inception tricks to get all your bandmates to listen to the music you like? Is this a thing you do? I, don't, I wouldn't call it an inception trick. I would, I would call it uh, bad communication and mumbling, and I'm just lucky that I have... Uh, Bandmates that uh, will will let me have a quiet voice. I I appreciate how self-conscious you are about your communication, uh, given how uh, eloquent and articulate your lyrics are. Do you find that that practice is the most direct and clear you tend to be, or... Uh, am I stretching? Yeah, I mean, you have time with lyrics to, to, to finesse them and to kind of like, you know, think about the words you want to use and, and like try to paint the best picture of what you're trying to say in maybe as succinct a way as possible. I'm not very succinct, but in, in, in a like, I don't know, in as clear a way as possible. It's like trying to um, distill down an idea or something, but talking um, in a, in a non-written way when, when uh, like now when I haven't, I haven't written what I say, it's uh, I find it's, it's a little more clumsy. Liz, you're not supposed to tell everyone that this is all unscripted. They, they're supposed to think we planned all of this, every word. Anyway. Oh no, my God. I'm, the, the curtain has been I'm kidding. Face. On this note, there have been some, uh, I guess there's some speculation about what Expert in Dying Field might be about overall. Do you have an overarching... Now that the record's out and you're playing the shows and all that sort of stuff, you've had time to process this record even more, I would think. Do you have a sort of feeling, an overarching sense of what it might be about, per se? Yeah, well, there's two things, right? There's there's Expert in a Dying Field, the song, and then the the record, which the song is more specifically about kind of relationships with people where, you know, you learn, you just learn, like learning to love them is just learning things about them and about yourself and you accumulate all this information and then you have to figure out what to do with it if the if that relationship ends. But um, 
yeah, for the for the whole record. It, it's hard because like it's not like I don't really like concept records. I feel like where I'm like I know exactly what this record's going to be about. It's <laughs> it feels more like you I don't know writing a bunch of songs and then there's a there's a feeling of what feels like it fits and, and doesn't fit and then you kind of look back at a body of work and you can see a lot of things in hindsight that you couldn't see at the time that you were writing or at the time that you were recording. Um, and so it now feels like a, a real time capsule for that particular moment f- for me. <laughs> this is my experience uh, listening to the record, but um, yeah. Yeah. And you start to, it's weird to like, you then start to like, when it's a work of art that exists outside of yourself, it's, it's kind of weird that you can then kind of dive in, in an analytical way like you would with somebody else's work they kind of be like oh i can see this themes here and um there seems to be stuff about coping and about change and yeah so that's kind of expert in a dying field it's yeah like the world the world has changed a lot we've all had to figure out how to let rest the everything we know about what the world used to be like and um just have to kind of move forward there's the interpersonal stuff that I guess some people would say is sort of romantic reckoning or or meditations on interpersonal relationships. I just want to ask a call upon one more section from the song uh, Head in the Clouds. I'm just going to recite this for people. Trust me, it sounds better when it's sung by the Beths. It's a pain in the heart. Clean the blood from your shirt. Yeah, your head's in the clouds, but your soul's in the dirt. So you try to see God, but he isn't at work. Will you come down? come down to earth. Can I just ask you, so this this to me is this, sorry, I talk to lots of people, as you might imagine. They make lots of things. They they uh, process the world and then spit something, something out, a song, a book, whatever it is. This pandemic has been interesting on an existential level. Like, what do we, what are we doing? I say all this not to uh, ask you a leading question necessarily, but that passage I just read, can you just give me a sense of where that kind of came from for you? I'm not 100% sure. This is the song that's kind of like uh, Vegas to me, to, to what, or like I've forgotten exactly what I was thinking when I when I wrote it. Hmm. But um, I, th- I feel like the song feels to me about kind of losing faith. And I've kind of like interpreted that in a few different ways of like one of them is literal and then one of them is in that like I, I have, you know, strong memories of um, <laughs> losing my faith when I was, when I was a teenager. But then like, I feel like I then got bored of that and it became about, yeah, I don't know, just losing faith yeah. in either the people around you or in like the situation that you're in or even in yourself. And there's, I feel like losing faith, it, it's, it almost feels like the same thing as grieving. It's just like um, you have to kind of let go of, of a way that you used to think or something like that. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. And I thank you for feeling that. I know it's difficult. Uh, these, some of these, uh, Lyrical analyses. Jonathan, uh, from your perspective, uh, having now listened to Liz's vocals, uh, whether it's through a PA system or on this record, do you have a sense of what's going on with Liz? Let's pretend Liz isn't here right now, Jonathan. Do you have a sense of what's going on on this record from uh, where she's coming from? Yeah, I do. I've got my, uh, yeah, I've got my, um, ideas about what's what's in Liz's head sometimes um you know try to be a try to do the mind reading yeah 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 I think um I'm trying to yeah I'm trying to 
Remember, she's not here. We can say whatever we want. You don't have to feel self-conscious. She's not even around. That's true. <laughs> beautiful comedy timing there comic timing there by Liz uh, I don't want to make you uncomfortable it sounds like you're also wrestling uh, Jonathan with uh, what's going on or you have thoughts and you're not sure to, whether you should share them maybe uh, maybe I, yeah I, don't, I guess I uh, I'm, I'm a um, kind of a craft person in a way like I, I, I I'm just amazed by Liz's song craft and like how she puts it together and uh, yeah, I do. Sometimes she does write things that make me worry about her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. This does happen a little bit, and and so you know, and and she'll play me some early version of something, and I'll be really amazed by the craft of it, and then I'll I'll think a little bit more about it and think, oh, where has that come from? And like, I hope she's all right. I, mm-hmm. I should really pay her pay her some real close emotional attention for a few days just to check that she's all right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I can appreciate that. You know what? I think we should invite uh, Liz to this uh, call now. Liz, are you okay? Uh, Jonathan and I were just wondering. Are you doing all right? Um, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's something that I I feel often. Yeah, looking back at a body of work, um, especially looking back at this body of work, I think I've looked back hmm. a few times and, and kind of thought that I need to make some changes in the, in my life. I see. And, uh, I'll, I'll think about that. I mean, these are therapeutic little exercises, writing songs, I think, and you do learn about yourself. So uh, I hope, I think, uh, you yeah, know, you I, I tried to highlight the comedy uh, in your work, but I guess what mm-hmm. you were trying to say is maybe some of that is, or what you're maybe we're getting to now, is uh, some of those jokes are coping things. Is that a, is that accurate? Well, no, who's who's more depressed than comedians? I mean, I, that's exactly true. That Brett McKenzie, who I'm name dropping again, he and I talked about that a lot uh, about how comedians when because I have a theory that musicians want to be comedians and comedians want to be taken seriously, uh, but everyone takes musicians seriously <laughs> and assumes comedians are going to always be funny. And Brett uh, on the show talked about how when he's touring with uh, musicians, laugh riot, nothing but laughs. Touring with comedians, uh, depressing. And so yeah. <laughs> there's some going on there because uh, I think they're very close in nature, the two the, the two vocations, uh, artistic pursuits. But um, at the same time... Yeah, I feel that as yeah. well. I feel there's a real closeness in... Well, I guess like, you feel that with a lot of different... Like, I feel like you can always see, compare to different art forms and, and um, you know, you watch a documentary about... This, um, a, a movie maker or something or, and, or you watch... yeah. You learn more about a comedian or someone who is a writer, and you kind of go like, "Oh, yeah, it's so similar in so many ways." It feels like you're all kind of um, living in the same universe. Yeah. Well, listen, we've covered a lot of ground here, and I know you're on tour, and I don't want to keep you much longer. Uh, I I, uh, I will just give you the floor, uh, each of you, to say anything else you want to say about this wonderful record. Uh, or if you want to chastise me about anything I've done today, uh, this is the time. We're not going to have another time for that. Jonathan, is there anything more you <laughs> want to say about uh, the Beths or this particular record? Mm, I don't know. I should have general general statements in my po- in my back pocket. 
Uh, well, I didn't mean just general statements. I mean, we've covered, we've talked about a lot of things here. Maybe your mind is racing. Maybe I've <laughs> altered your day a little with my form of questioning, you know? I just mean, is there anything we didn't get to or we got to in a weird way? Anything like that? Oh, I, I want to expand on the on the metal uh, conversation that we're having. I've, I've been thinking, I've been mulling it over, and I feel like okay. Okay. because we grew up in probably just two slightly different times, we have two different connotations of, of what it is. Because I think the reason why I didn't feel good about um, about being mean to metalheads is that to me, metalheads now are just like a bunch of, uh, are like, it's like nerd culture. It's like yeah, really nerding out about the technicality of music, which is something that I really love and would never want to, um, <laughs> whereas I feel, um, would never want to disparage because it's something I really connect with is like really diving deep on something and being like, oh, this little tiny thing here. I really love it. Like, I think it's great. And then, uh, but I, I know that it's a different yeah. kind of metal culture than would have existed in the 80s and the 90s. Yeah, I'm 44 years old. You're younger, I think. Yes. Yeah, we're in what, what, early yeah. 30s. Early 30s. So I'm talking about a time that was deeply misogynistic and bullshit, like posturing and hair metal and ugh. And you're talking about a more, I think, organic and human. Like, we're not just rock stars. Like, you're talking about... And I will say the same. I retract what I... I was talking about, like, late 80s, early 90s metal. And you're we're, we're is that is that a fair way of clarifying our comments? Yeah, I think it is. We're we're, we're basically talking about two entirely different yeah. uh, genres, <laughs> and we don't know what happened in between because neither of us are big fans. Yeah, yeah. We're all, <laughs> no, we're I mean, I followed a little bit. I'm yeah. just saying, I don't want either of us to end up in metal jail because of this stupid podcast. You know what I'm saying? Like we <laughs> we don't want these whole communities to hate us. I'm not slagging them now, but you're right. So I'll I'll clarify this as best I can in the introduction. So that we don't get in trouble from the metal people. Because I like metal. I like those people. But there was a time where I didn't feel like they wanted us in there. And I went to guitar classes. And and then you could tell. There was just like a snobbery. Sorry. That's where I was coming from. No, yeah. That's me. Absolutely right. Oh, no apologies necessary. I appreciate that. Okay. Um, we uh, played our first uh, ever show outside New Zealand in Dublin. And uh, we played the show. And in a Beth set, there's a decent amount of palm muted downstrokes where you kind of put your hand on the strings of the guitar and and uh, make a really chunky sound uh, and um, I was playing some of those and then after the show someone came up to me and said oh have you have you played some heavy metal because uh, your your palm muted downstrokes are really chunky and awesome <laughs> and it's uh, still one of the best compliments I've ever received well, I appreciate that. That's also in punk and post-punk <laughs> as well, right? And all those things are kind of in indie Certainly. rock now too, right? Indie rock kind of absorbed the best of everything. And uh, whatever we think of as indie rock, you know what I mean. I don't really believe in these genre <laughs> signifiers, but that was, to me, what was exciting about it when I was coming up. Oh, this can be anything. You have your metal. You have your jazz. You have your punk. Guess what? This thing seems to take it all in and spit it back out. Does that resonate with yeah, you? Yeah, and yet we feel like we know exactly what the Beths is. We feel like we've got a formula and uh, we can just um, in, input the inputs and know the result. Well, I love it. Yeah. Uh, the, we know what feels like a Beth song and what doesn't. Right, absolutely. Well, it's remarkable. I hope I've conveyed to you that I think it's remarkable enough. If not, we can have a follow-up call unless you don't want to, and I can I can appreciate <laughs> that. That's fine. This always happens to me all the time. Listen to me. I just I want you to know that I'm a big fan. I hope you enjoyed this chat. Now, before we go, 
for a couple of things. What's next for the Beths? So as we're speaking, obviously this record's out. We've you're going to be touring about. Um, Liz, can you give us some more details about uh, your plans? If you've started working on new work or anything like that. Um, I've not started working on new work yet, but yeah, no, we're we've we're, we've got some touring planned for for early next year. We're in Australia at the moment, but only for a couple more days. We do a New Zealand tour after that, and yeah, we'll be back in North America in what is it, February or March? Yeah, February, like and then and then on and on and on. We've forever. been doing a little bit of dreaming about the next things, but they're still just dreams at the moment. We we can't put it down on uh, on record. No, that's fair. I feel like Liz uh, responded to that question like I was the band manager cracking a whip. I didn't mean to say, like, where's the songs, Liz? I was just like, are you writing? What's going on? You know, there's a lot going on. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Whew, sorry, guys. I, I feel like. That was, okay. that was not directed at you. That was directed at me. <laughs> I know. Take your time. You've just made one of the best records of the goddamn year, if you ask me. So you deserve a rest. It's fantastic. Uh, where can people go to learn more about the Beths? Jonathan, do you know? Well, we would love it if you checked out our our breakfast blog, uh, which is written by our bass player Benjamin Sinclair. It's called breakfastandtravelupdates.com. Uh, this is um, this is sorry. funny and it's fine to laugh, but like, uh, sorry, I'm sorry. and this is very intentional comedy. But this is a real thing for those listening. This uh, okay, it's the best website on the internet. It's the best website on the internet. It's um, certainly the best website. Breakfastandtravelupdates.com. The best website domain There's, on the internet. I'll give you that. What it's, yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. There's hundreds of entries. Ben is diligent to a fault. I, I doubt he's missed a single day of tour. He tells you what we ate for breakfast and what we did um, between then and playing the show. And uh, it's it's just like it's just the best body of work that any of the four of us have ever achieved. Okay. Uh, it will be remembered long after the best music is. <laughs> As all blogs will be, probably. I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, Liz, if people want to follow the Beths, are you on the platforms and stuff? Yeah, we're on uh, Instagram. You can listen on Spotify. We're on Twitter and stuff. We also have a Patreon, which is $2 a month. We call it the Beths Fan Club if you feel like being a little bit more involved, which um, there's a Discord that goes along with that where you can post pictures of your dog or cat. Oh. Mostly dog. Oh, you're dog people? We're dog people. We're dog people. Dog people, I understand. Sorry. No, that's the way the future is. It's the most polarizing that's how this, said today. That's how this conversation started. You spotted a dog and all attention was gone. You were just like, sorry, I don't know what the, I know we have an interview, <laughs> but I saw a dog. I'm done. No, I appreciate that. Okay, I'll sign up for your Patreon uh, right after we finish this. Uh, and that's on the record. That's very lovely. Uh, if we can go out on a song... From Expert in a Dying Field, uh, which is available now. And as I've said numerous times in gushing terms, one of the finest albums in the that came out in the year 2022. It's wonderful. All of you listening should go check it out. But uh, right now I have some Beths on the phone. Uh, I'm going to ask one of you to pick a song for us to go out on. The other one has a chance to veto it. If it's vetoed, we have to go through a whole parliamentary <laughs> process, and it's a big vote. Anyway, uh, Liz, can you pick a song for us to go out on and tell us why you chose it? Um, well, to me, it makes sense to choose Expert in a Dying Field because it's the first song. It's like uh, it's like how you can read the first chapter of a book uh, for free on uh, on your library website of the ebook. <laughs> that's my that's my justification. <laughs> 
Spoken, spoken like a truly literate songwriter. Yes, uh, a book analogy. Okay, now, uh, Jonathan, veto or keep it? <laughs> I was hoping Liz was going to say uh, when you know you know. Ah, um, well, that's a great one. Yeah, you should veto me. Yeah, I think I'm going to veto Expert in a Dying Field. People have heard that song. We're very grateful for how well that song has uh, found its way out into the corners of the internet, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, and but 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 we we would quite like that to happen for this song. When you know, you know. We think this is good. Just for people listening who don't understand, Expert in a Dying Field is not only the title track of the album; it is song number one. What Jonathan has done now is taken us deep into the track listing to song number nine for When You Know You Know. This is when traditionally, or not traditionally, but some people in the album format start to like, I'm going to switch it around song seven. They wouldn't do that, by the way. This is not disparaging for you guys. There's no way in hell anyone would switch out of Expert in a Dying Field to go listen to something else. I'm just saying, Jonathan is being very savvy right now. Liz, what do you make of what Jonathan has just decided and done? I respect it, and uh, I I understand and uh, you know, it's it's nice when uh, when you can get a little bump for the for a song near the end of the album. Now, okay, so no parliamentary process required. I understand veto accepted. Is that what I'm hearing, Liz? Yep, veto accepted. Is there a little bit you can tell us about when you know you know, just something that might give us some insight into the song? Hmm. Um, it's one of the few songs that I wrote in 2020 that I actually liked kind of all the way through and didn't have to like rebuild to, to, to make better. And yeah, it's, uh, we were, I don't know. This is, um, New Zealand artist, Bick Ronger. This song doesn't exactly sound like Bick Ronger, but she does a thing where she was in kind of like the nineties radio rock era but she's just so organically herself and her music just kind of shines in in the context that it was made. In when you look back on it in twenty twenty two, it just seems so relevant and fresh and it's just because she's being her honest self, I think, and um being an absolute boss. And uh, uh this is us like I guess I guess that was a big influence on this song. I, I appreciate that's all very well said. I want to point people to this passage when it comes up. It takes all of my restraint, not climbing in your cranium, to observe the way the furniture is arranged, scratching at the door. They're going to call security, so I can't creep around here anymore. Man, I Liz, you are so disarmingly, you know, modest, and I, I appreciate when a genius. Sorry, this is, you're not going to like this. I'll tell you that right now. You're not going <laughs> to like this at all. But I appreciate. When a genius is this modest, you, you, god damn, this is just great stuff. I, I can't help it. I, who am I to say these things? But a man in Canada, let's just go to it before I pass out from all this flattery. <laughs> when you know, you know by the best from their beautiful album, Expert in a Dying Field. Liz, Jonathan, this was a tremendous pleasure and honor for me. I hope you enjoyed some semblance of this conversation and I wish you the best of luck in the future. Thanks so much, Vish. Thank you, Vish.
for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place with linkedin you can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com people today Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh, very, very special thanks to Liz and Jonathan from The Best for appearing on this, the 722nd episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available just about wherever it is you get your podcasts, except for the one place. If you can't find an episode you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook. The show has a Facebook page still. You can follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast that is the primary source of revenue for all of the work that I put into making this podcast. We all work very hard in life. Uh, hopefully we get compensated for the work. This is one way, the main way I get compensated for this work. $6 or more a month grants you access to some exclusive content uh, not available anywhere else. Also, uh, you get the episodes early at that tier or higher. And also, if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon, and I'll get you one while supplies last. Incidentally, you don't have to donate $6 uh, or more a month. You can do less than that. You can change your pledge amount or donation amount at any point in your lifetime or my lifetime. It doesn't matter. 
So if you start at six, you can go down to four. If you start at six, you can go up to $2,400 a month because you came into some money. Anyway, whatever you got to do or can do is appreciated. Patreon.com slash creative control for more info. Thanks again to the excellent Alberta-based record retailer Blackbird Music, which has locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta. And you can learn more about them and you can order records from them directly at blackbird.ca. Also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, uh, respective companies, businesses, local businesses based in Guelph, Ontario. Speaking of local businesses, Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, all of those folks offer in-kind support for this show. That usually means I get donuts and coffee and books and pizza, but I don't even get to enjoy them as much as I, well, as much. I, I moved. Anyway, I don't want to get into this right now. It's my own thing, and I'm working on it. Anyway... I also want to thank Jim Guthrie. He lets me use some music of his on the show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode featuring the Baths and for subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends about doing the same things. I know I was uh, really enthusiastic uh, on this episode. Uh, the Baths is a new discovery for me. It reminds me of when I used to go see live music and I could see an opening band and I was like, who the hell is that? Someone recommended the best to me in recent times, and I was like, what the heck is this? So thank you again to Liz and Jonathan for enduring my unbridled enthusiasm for their for your band, and if you're a fan of the Beths, I'm not exactly normally like this. I'm an enthusiast, but this was a bit much. But still, I love them. You should check out the Beths, please. Okay, I gotta go. I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye for now. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.